You're listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Bowness, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church, or service times, or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Bowness. Morning. <laughs> Morning, Eddie. Good to see you. And welcome back. You know, some of you, you've all come into this room today carrying different things. Uh, And as much as we may talk about laying our burdens down, the reality is we are just fools for picking up those burdens again. And I'm, I'm not calling you fools, okay? That's not what I'm saying here. But the reality is, no matter what has happened... However many revelation moments you've had, at some point you probably picked back up anxiety or you've picked back up the pressure of life. You've picked back up disappointment. You've picked something up. Maybe you've picked back up sin that you once put down. Maybe that you found that you were free from this particular habit only to find that it's got its little talons back into you again. And when we're talking about sin, we're not just talking about big obvious things like murder or or anything like that. We're also talking about gossip. We're also talking about worry. Wow, that's just brought pretty much everybody into the room back to that table. Because who of you would honestly say that you're done with worry? It's out of the way. It's in the past. I mean, if you have, well done. I want to come and chat to you later. But it just seems to be that there are things that seem to grab our attention. And that is actually the root of what sin is. Because when our attention, remember I said this in the last series, when our attention is focused on anything other than Jesus, we are making that thing the focus of our attention, that becomes our idol. An idol is something that takes away from focus upon God. Trust in his provision. So by that rationale, we're all a bit like scuppered here, but we're not because God has done something so incredibly amazing and utterly undeserved on our account That it doesn't matter if you go away from this very service and have a meltdown. It doesn't matter because it's covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. It is covered under the cross, under what he has done. And so your sin no longer needs to be the thing that keeps grabbing you and dragging you down. Now in life, we are trying to pursue things like And this isn't just you guys, it's not just me. I think this is pretty universal. Things that we want to run after. Happiness. Like, honestly, who doesn't want a bit of that? Anyone? (laughs) Eddie doesn't want any. Well, he's got plenty. Eddie can give it out to you, you know. Like, wasn't it Ken Dodd who said, happiness, happiness, the greatest gift that I possess? But then his life actually tragically showed anything but that being the reality in his life. What about security? How fragile that is. We learned that last year as everything suddenly, like we have no security. You can be got by a virus that is invisible and that you don't even know the person's. It's not like the plague where you go, oh, you look awful, (laughs) stay away. 
like where we're at right now is you could look like me and be fine and bouncing around and, and give somebody something that could be really detrimental to their health. That's where we are. So security's out the window. What about acclaim? What about achievement? What about belonging or identity? Fulfillment, contentment, wealth, or respect? Yeah, we want a bit of respect, don't we? And, and sometimes trying to grasp onto these things can be like trying to catch the wind. It, it can be like trying to harness your, your breath on a cold day and it, it evaporates as quickly as that. If we pursue those things, they're fleeting, they're fickle, they're temporary. They will let you down again and again and again and again and again. And don't you find that all a bit exhausting? Don't you find that all a bit unfulfilling, a bit disconcerting, a bit unsatisfying, even deceitful? Tantalizing, but ultimately disappointing. Well, isn't that the very definition of what sin is like? Sin's great. Now, don't burn me, <laughs> okay? I enjoy sin. That's a problem. I enjoy it. I enjoy it in a weird way when I start to get angry with somebody and I can feel it rising and I, I just let that play out in my head a little bit. I enjoy it. You know, there are things that are like beautiful, gleaming things that we can run after, but they kill us. But we enjoy them. We keep running back like it's a sweet shop. What I want to explain to you today in the next 15 minutes is better than anything, hands down, that you could possibly put your hands on in life. What I want to talk to you about is grace today. Grace to you. It's a gift, and it is the best gift that you can ever get. Next week, I'll talk about grace with you, because there's a distinction there, because grace given to you is the ultimate never-ending cookie jar. It's the ultimate gift that keeps on giving. You don't receive it and boom, that's it. God said, right, I've given you my grace. Get on with it. He keeps giving out of that grace into our lives. It is so massively important that it can, it has the power, even believer, because you might be thinking, if I'm talking about grace, I'm talking to non-believers this morning. No, I'm talking to everybody, because it has the power to keep transforming our lives in an amazing way. That is grace. It is seismically important. It is scandalously controversial. It is unfathomably powerful, and it is utterly available for free for you. Never in human history has there been a greater culture-shifting revolution than the revolution of God's grace. What Jesus inaugurated and revealed that God was planning from eternity, what, what Jesus reveals changes everything. French Revolution, forget it. American Revolution, forget it. This is the revolution that changed everything and keeps changing it. And so we started last week this this uh, series in Philippians, and I managed to get sort of two verses in, and we're still there. Here are the two verses. They'll come up on the screen, and it says this. Paul, 
and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. And I get this. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a gift. Grace and peace. They're a package gift, by the way. They come together. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace are like the undercurrents of God's mercy and provision. In fact, if you're a swimmer and you're a beach swimmer, you'll know about riptides, right? You know how they can just suck you away from the beach and out into the depths. Well, grace and peace are like a riptide that will suck you away from the beach of self-sufficiency, self-interest, self-control, and self... uh, Sorry, not self-control, that's a good thing. (laughs) Self-dependency. It will suck you away from all of that stuff into the deep and wide ocean of God's love and mercy and provision for you. Grace and peace will draw you in. And if you were to go jump out of an aeroplane and land in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean... Well, you're about as far from anything as you could ever be. And that's what God's grace and mercy, his character, his kindness, his compassion, that is like an ocean. You can't fathom it, and you can't swim to the sides of it. It is vast. And Paul's entire understanding of Christianity, the Christian life, and all of his theology Everything is underpinned by these words, grace and peace. So grace to you. A gift freely given, not from within. You will not find it in yourself. If you go and buy self-help books, they're actually better titled self-destruction books. Because if you are looking within to find yourself and find the strength, you will come up short And there's something in your head that already knows that. But if you dive into God's grace, you will never find that you come up short. It's a gift from outside of yourself to you. Now, thinking about gifts, okay. It's a bit weird. Now, just go with me for a second. If if you're married, right, and you have a shared bank account, how many of you have a, a joint account? Just pop your hands up. Isn't it a bit weird when you buy a present from your spouse <laughs> from the account that you share? Grace isn't like that. You don't share an account with God where you go, here's my bit, God, let's have your bit. It's, it's not a shared account. It's his account credited to you. It's a very, very, very different thing. We have nothing of account, no credit, no way of earning credit. This isn't a nest pension where God, like an employer, puts in for you and and then you put in your bit and and hopefully even though the employer puts in a greater share, you know, I think that's how the nest pension works. Hopefully it is. The employer puts in a better share than you. But that's not what God does. God doesn't actually take anything from your account. He gives you his account. Completely. Check this. I want to show you, Paul says in Ephesians, he tells us exactly what this is like. He says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. 
that's our part. That's not a bank account. That's a belief through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Like, please get this, church. Please. You have nothing to offer. Now, that might freak you out. Our goodness, our attempts at goodness, our attempts at religious acts or righteous acts or or being morally upright are next to pointless. Completely. Now, I'm not saying that we should all go out and misbehave because of that, and we'll come to that as we talk about this perhaps next week. But all of our attempts to religiously appease God, stop it. Please. And I'm saying that to myself. Stop it. Because there's nothing that you are able to give God to put into that account. Nothing. Not one little bit. It is all grace. Everything poured out on you. There is something that's expected of you. We'll come to that in a second. But it is not you behaving morally brilliantly. It's not you beating the person next to you. I mean, have a look around. Just do that quickly. Have a look around. You'll see some people in this room who think, yeah, I can probably behave a bit better than that person. I'm looking at Derek. (laughs) And there's probably other people who are like, oh, they're they're way more solid Christian than me. I'm never going to behave as well as that. It doesn't matter in God's account. It doesn't matter. We're all on a very, very, very level playing field. And that playing field is a million miles away from what is expected. What, what we could do to achieve God's salvation. It's grace. <laughs> it's a gift. It's a provision. Look, it's not a wage. All right? It's not like God is the boss and at the end of our lives, it's like payday and we go up and say, right, I've worked for the last 5,997 hours in your kingdom and so I expect an appropriate wage for that. Forget it. It's not a wage. In fact, as, as Jesus says in some of his, his parables, actually the person who comes along last to the vineyard <laughs> and works for the least amount of time actually gets the same amount as the person who's been working away all day. You might have been a Christian for 50, 60, 70 years. Somebody might become a Christian today. You get the same gift of grace. And by the way, that's not unfair. Well, it is unfair. It is unfair because actually neither of you deserve any of it. And so it is unfair. God isn't actually doing something that's a righteous, just thing there. He's going beyond that. He's poured out righteousness and justice and wrath on Jesus so that you, who don't deserve it, can have what you don't deserve. That's grace. That's grace. Uh, The reality is, so it's not a wage that we expect. The reality is more like we've done our own thing. We've smashed up the factory, okay? Uh, And we've even rejected the boss. And when his son comes along to try and fix it and sort it out for us, we attack him. That's more the picture of humanity with God. That's more like what we've done, okay? The truth is we we should be paying him. That's, the, that's what the law's about. Do this. If you do this, you can achieve righteousness, but the law points out that we can't do it. That there's only one person through the entirety of history who has fulfilled the law perfectly, and that is Jesus Christ. And he did it on your account. 
did it on your behalf. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. How many? All. All. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And yet Jesus offers a payment on our behalf. He credits our account for us. He frees us from our debt obligation to God. Despite our sinfulness, despite our helplessness, that is grace, that is the gift to you that Jesus is offering today. It's a gift that was hidden, maybe to this very moment in your heart, or to your heart rather. If you don't know Jesus, maybe grace is a gift that is just coming into view. Grab it, grab it. But, but maybe it's a gift that you've accepted many years ago, but it's kind of found its way to a back shelf. Bring it forward, bring it out, dust it off, put it on the mantelpiece, wear it around your neck. Grace. Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Do you know what the Greek word for all means? It means all. <laughs> There's a great Greek a bit of, uh, you know, terminology for you. All means all. The word that Paul uses for all, it means everything. The whole lot, the whole kit and caboodle. The whole panoply, Everything. Offers salvation to all people. Now, maybe it's appearing a bit like on Christmas morning, you know, when you get the presents out, and there's a reason why we give gifts at Christmas. Jesus is actually that reason. We are doing like a small mini version to remind ourselves, this is what God's done. He's given us a gift. Spoiler alert, Jesus is the gift of God's grace. I mean, we know perhaps John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. And John 1.16 says, out of his fullness, we have all, again, it's that word, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. So grace on top of grace, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. This gift that he is offering to you comes through Jesus. It doesn't come through Muhammad. It doesn't come through Buddha. It doesn't come through sitting and trying to find yourself. It doesn't come through all these various ways that we might try and, I don't know, self-identify or figure out things. It comes through Jesus. Nowhere else. Nowhere else. Now, if that sounds exclusive to you, that we're saying Christianity is the only way. It's because that's exactly what it is. Jesus is the only way. But that's not a cruel exclusivity. Do you get this? It's not, it's not like, well, if you're a Muslim, stuff you because we got Jesus. Jesus is available to them. Jesus is available to you. In fact, the one thing that will impact whether you receive grace or not is whether you take it through faith. Grace is free, but it's not without cost. Listen to this. 
A gift costs the giver. If, well, if I buy a gift for Jess, she puts more into the bank account than me, I think, so actually she's buying it for herself. But like, if I buy a gift for you, the cost is on me, yeah? The cost is on Jesus. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That's you, by the way, as well, and me. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He uses the word died twice. Died. That's a pretty big cost. Slow, agonizing death on an implement of torture on our behalf, on our account. Now, that's a million miles away from your cute baby Jesus with cattle and lowing and the baby not waking. The reason that baby was born into that stable was so that he could die on your account. That's grace. Costly, but free. All of your sins. All of your sins. On that cross. They were paid for. That's past. So, cleansed of a guilty conscience freed from the burden of those sins. That's present. If you're thinking right now, shut up, Tom, you're a rubbish pastor. Naughty. But, you know, <laughs> but like that, that's covered. All right? And, and the future as well. And this is why grace is so controversial. And uh, am I saying that if you go home tomorrow and do, you fill in the blank, is that covered? Yes. Yes, it's covered. That doesn't mean that we just go, hey, (laughs) the cookie jar is mine. It's not quite that way, and if you receive grace, it actually pulls a response from you. And we'll come to that next week, because that's grace with you, but at the minute we're talking about grace to you. Now, why would God do this for us? Because of his great love for us. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive, the opposite of dead, In Christ, or with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace that you have been saved. What have you got to give? (laughs) Nothing. Nothing. What have you got to receive? Everything. I'm going to wrap up with this. It might be a five-minute wrap-up. So, Simon, if you want to come and just start... Tinkling away with your guitar, that'd be marvellous. Look, have you ever been given a gift that you didn't want or didn't like? Something you didn't ask for, perhaps something you don't think you need. Has that ever happened? Like, can you relate to that? Okay, what do you do with that gift? Or have you ever returned a gift to the sender? Or have you ever got up to the sender and asked for the receipt? If you have, that's awful, by the way. That's, like, I'm, I've never done that. But my nephew, Abby's brother, Gemma's brother, that's true, isn't it? He, if he doesn't like what you've given him, he'll go, thanks, have you got the receipt? And he'll put it back in and take the cash. In fact, they've realized that this is the way it is, so they just give him money every year. Naughty Dan. What you should do, instead of doing that and embarrassing or upsetting the person, is just hide it in the cupboard. <laughs> All right? And if the person's coming around, get it out, dust it off, stick it on the shelf, and wear it, whatever it is. That's how, that's how you really boss it with a gift you don't want. 
Look, have you ever received a gift that you didn't understand or, or actually thought you had no use for initially, only to discover that with time, what a precious gift that is? That's what grace might be to you. Maybe you've received it. Maybe you've got it in your possession, but you haven't realized how vast and how wonderful this is. Get it out. Dust it off. Come and enjoy this gift of grace that God has given you. Look, some people will refuse this gift point blank. No thank you. I don't want it. Some don't see the need for it. I think I can make this my way. I think I can control my life and make myself happy my own way. Some pretend to take it, or even maybe think they have taken it, but they've not understood it. Maybe they hide it away and like get it out when they think somebody's watching. And that's what religious people do. They think they've received grace because, well, I'm, a, I'm, I'm British and I'm, I go to church, therefore I'm a Christian, therefore I've received grace. And, and look at how wonderfully religious I am. Look at how I do all these traditions and look at how good I am and my morals are really high. But if there's rot underneath that, you know, Jesus says to the Pharisees, you are whitewashed tombs. In other words, you look brilliant on the outside, like sparkly, but the inside is full of decay and death. And there are people who occupy churches and that is the reality of their life. They look amazing, filled with decay and death. Or some take it genuinely and don't fully understand it until later on. And I think that may be where some of us are. So my question to you today is, what will you do with this gift? If you've never received it, will you receive it today? If you have received it, polish it. Bring it out. Give it some care and attention. Give, give it the joy that it deserves and realize that you are completely free because of what Jesus has done for you. Completely, completely. Say completely. Say again, completely. You are completely free. Completely, if you are in Christ and you've accepted that gift of grace. Completely If you feel like a wretch or a reject, a failure or a fraud, if you feel like you're sick in the head or sinner in the heart, a has-been, a never-been or a never-will-be, there's grace enough for you. Let's stand together. I'm going to tell you how you can receive that today. This gift is on offer to you right now. It's accessible. Hear this? through faith in and surrender to Jesus Christ and his work, that he died in your place and that he lives in your place. He credits that to your account. It's free. It's completely free, guys. So if you've never accepted that, will you accept that today? Will you turn your eyes to Jesus? And if you've come in here this morning feeling weighed down by the burdens of this world, I invite you to come and shake them off and allow grace to settle on your shoulders afresh because it keeps giving. Heavenly Father, we thank you that even as we stand here and even as our hearts desire to please you and that is good and right and it's what we should do as believers, but God, you are not crediting our account. On the basis of that, you've already done everything that we need.
And we give you glory for that. God, I don't have to perform to be part of your kingdom. I thank you for that. God, all of my righteousness is like filthy rags, but your righteousness is a royal robe which is worn upon my shoulders. Thank you. Thank you that it says in Hebrews that you credited Abraham's faith with righteousness. And so, God, every person in this room who places eyes of faith upon Jesus is credited with righteousness. We thank you, God, for that credit to our accounts today. We give you the glory. Make it change our outlook. Make it change our in view. Make it change every part of who we are for your glory and your kingdom and for your work in this town. In Jesus' name, amen.